as Charles comes to preach to us, let us focus on the word. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to the end of this chapter. Entitled, Do Not Worry, Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May God bless the reading of his word to us. Charles. Good morning, church. This week, I listened on Radio 4 to a very interesting interview with a psychologist who specialised in dealing with stress and depression and trauma. And he made a very interesting comment, and I paraphrase him. He said that the increase in mental health issues that we face during this pandemic are but an exacerbation of an already existing problem which we've had in our culture for the last 20, 30, 40 years. We have had for many, many years increasing rates of stress and depression and all the, the physical and mental consequences of that. So I want to address this issue of the pressure we're under, the stress that we have been under for a long while. Some years ago, in the north of England, a police exam was set. And one of the questions was this. You're on the beat. You come across an automobile accident involving two cars <clears throat> at a crossroads. In one car, there are two dead people, both of whom are well-known burglars in the area. In the other car is the deputy police constable, chief constable, and next to him is the blonde wife of the chief constable, who you know is away on police business. At the same time down the road, there is a young man mugging an old lady and stealing her handbag. 
On the other side of the road, you see that a bank robbery is taking place. Also, at another corner, you see two men openly selling drugs to one another. Back behind you, you see on a bridge a man about to jump off and to commit suicide. And in the exam paper, the question was this. State briefly what you would do in such a situation. Now, one young police cadet in Manchester wrote this for his answer. Remove uniform and mingle with crowd. Now, I think most of us, when faced with the pressure of modern day life, would like to do that. Somehow, we'd like to get out. Stop the world, I'd like to get off. Now, I'm going to make a statement and then unpack it. Stress crises occur when the external pressures on us are greater than the internal resources that we have. Stress crises occur when the external pressures on us are greater than the internal resources that we have. If any of you have any medical knowledge, you will know there are such things as stress fractures. They begin when the shocks and strains of playing a game of sport, game after game, when those those games create microscopic cracks in the outer layer of bone, usually in the legs and feet. And if that punishment continues and goes on, those cracks and those cracks go undetected. They aren't allowed to heal. Those cracks enlarge. And when they become large enough to cause pain, they are called stress fractures. And if they go undetected under certain further stress, the bone will crack and cause even greater pain and discomfort. Broken legs, broken arms are painful and uncomfortable and traumatic. But they are not, are they, as painful as broken lives, broken hearts, broken spirits. And so many people today, not only today, over the past 20 or 30 years, as that psychologist suggested, are experiencing such stress and strain in their lives that it's leading them to depression and various mental and physical sickness. And that's why what I'm talking about this morning is so, such a serious and appropriate theme. You see, when you stop and you look around us, there are enormous amounts of external pressure upon us, upon you and me, through just living in our 21st century Western world. Let me list some areas for you to think about. First of all, just living in our 21st century Western culture, we live under pressure. We live under pressure because of the speed of the culture in which we live. We rush, we run, as it were, everywhere. My son and my son-in-law went to India a couple of years ago for a long extended trip, a couple of months. 
And one of the things they said to me when they came back was the pace of life was so different out there. When they came back to this country, they engaged again in the running and the fast pace of life. We produce computers that can go faster and faster. We can now do everything quicker. And I think advancing technology only increases the problem of stress that so many people face. And the rate of change in our culture is incredible, isn't it? You buy an item today and it's out of date tomorrow. We face choices, multiple choices all the time. Choices bombard us and we face stress in those choices. This came home to me about 10 years ago when again my youngest uh, kid, David, I went to buy a watch for his 18th birthday. I went to a specialist kind of jewellery shop selling lots of watches. And I said to the guy behind the counter, I'd like to buy a Casio watch. And the man said to me, what do you want it to do? Now, I made a, a rather naive comment at that point. I said to him, well, I like it to tell the time. And he said to me, I assume that, sir, but where do you want it to tell the time? I said, well, wherever my son happens to be. And he said, well, we have a watch that can tell the time simultaneously in the UK, USA, Hong Kong, Australia. It can also work as an alarm. It, it can work as a, a lap counter. It will work at the height of Mount Everest. It will work under the pressure of being 100 metres under the water. And I thought then, well, I can imagine my son day, one day, years ahead, 100 metres under the sea, saying, I wonder what the time is. I suppose I better buy that watch. It's the choices we face bombard us. And then the man got out a tray with 24 watches on it. I felt pressure in making that choice. And in our culture, we have the added pressure of breakdown of relationships. We have marital breakdown on a large scale. Families are spread far and wide. We don't have locally grandparents, perhaps parents, relations to lean on anymore. And we all know the pressure at certain times of our lives, preschool, children, teens, exams, looking after sick relations, death, moving house, all these things. And then there's the pressure of work. I don't mean just air traffic controllers, open heart surgeons who are under a great deal of pressure, but in our average jobs. Time and motion studies are, are around a lot today. Efficiency, productivity, more and more in less and less time. Add to that unemployment fears, financial fears, all those kind of things. I remember a few years ago reading um, an article about heart attacks. And in this uh, article, the uh, medical doctor was saying he gave certain amount of points to certain events in people's lives. So, for instance, if uh, you moved home, you were 100 points of stress. 
If you took an exam, 60 points of stress. If you changed job, 100 points of stress. And he made the point, if you got a certain amount of points in a certain amount of time, you were a prime candidate for a heart attack. It didn't make good reading. For many in our 21st Western culture, life is becoming intolerable. And for some, there comes a moment when everything crashes around our ears. But my point is this. So many of those external pressures cannot be changed, can they? Those external pressures are simply things which come our way through living in our 21st century Western culture. So what is it to be done? What is the answer? Well, the other alternative, may I suggest, is to increase our internal resources. And I want to, for the rest of my talk this morning, to suggest some things which can, we can do to prevent stress fractures building up in our lives through strengthening our internal resources. That reading we had from Matthew chapter 6, an extraordinary reading, not only because of its content, but extraordinary because of the person who said it. This remarkable man who lived 2,000 years ago, who walked on this earth and did some extraordinary things. And if you look at the life of Jesus, and one of the things I've been doing over the pandemic is to reread and reread the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus, particularly how his life is described, his emotional life is described in the Gospels. And what strikes me here is that we have a man under tremendous pressure. Now, I know he didn't have preschool children. He didn't have to go to work on a bus or in a car every day. But the pressures on his life were enormous. He had three years to achieve his mission, a mission to set in motion everything that was needed for the message to go out to all the world. He had 12 men we call disciples who were very frustrating and sometimes did not understand even the basic things that Jesus was saying. Crowds of people flocked around Jesus, flocked to him, demanding this, demanding that. Wherever he went, whatever house he was in, people wanted to see him, touch him, be with him. He was overwhelmed with the crowds around him. All the sick came to him day after day. People had tremendous expectations of Jesus. And then he had to learn to cope with opposition, sometimes very violent opposition. The established religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all opposed Jesus. They called him a false teacher. They threatened his life from the moment he began to teach and preach. They challenged his lifestyle. They challenged his credentials. And Jesus, we know, had no permanent home, no place to which he could retire to for a bit of peace and quiet. He was charged then with false charges, brought before a fake mock trial. And yet, if you look at the life of Jesus, as we read about it in the New Testament, you will find that this man, under all these pressures, is a man in control and at peace. He never seems to be in a rush 
to be in a hurry. He's never pushing and shoving. He's walking at peace. Why? Because his internal resources were strong. The external pressures were strong, but his internal resources were stronger. He'd learned to rest his body. He'd learned to take leisure. He'd learned to relax with friends and family. His emotions were free. He was free to weep. He was free to be angry. He was free to express laughter. His will was determined and set. He set his mind on a particular path, and he was not lured away from that path by, for instance, promises of more money, promises of success. And nor was he taken in by that statement, there's so much need, you're going to have to work every hour you can. And nor was he swayed by the opinion of other people, of what he should do and how he should live. Jesus, as he was single-minded, he set his mind only on what to do what his father wanted him to do. His mind was at peace because he knew who he was, he knew where he came from and where he was going. He decided to do only what was right. Further, I suggest to you, as you look at the life of Jesus, he had no unresolved conflicts in his life. He had no relational difficulties. He had nothing to prove to anybody and no secret agenda going on inside him. All those things were true of him, but supremely, what kept Jesus going in the way that he did was that he was spiritually nourished. His inner being was being continually nourished by relationship with God, God his Father, and Jesus spent time with him. He had this simple trust in his Father. He was filled with the Spirit. He meditated on the Scriptures. In other words, his life was based on simple obedience to God, a relationship with God. And so in the midst of all those pressures, he he saw around him, that were upon him. This is a man who demonstrates what trust in God is all about. And in his life, you will find this tremendous peace. I want to suggest this morning, Jesus encourages us to learn from him. Now, you may say, I can never be like that. How is it possible for me to be like that? Well, I want to say it is possible. And in that Bible passage we read, Jesus says a very simple thing. Have a look at the flowers. Have a look at the flowers. They're so magnificent. They're so lovely, so well provided for. Did they get there by worry and stress? No. Do they look stressed out? No. Look at the birds. Do you see any stressed sparrows? No. But you do see, don't, don't you, stressed human beings. Why? Because... They have no relationship with God. Therefore, their priorities in life are wrong and misplaced. They don't know the reality of God as a father caring for his children, giving support, giving strength, giving protection. You see, if you know that reality of God as a father, you will be able to cope with the pressures and strain of life. And there's nothing better than knowing God is with me. So in this situation we find ourselves, Let's make sure in our lives that we are nourishing that relationship with God as Father. And as we speak to people about the stress and the depression they may feel, 
the overwhelming sense of too much going on in their lives, let's direct them to the place where those internal resources can be strengthened at the deepest level. Let's point them towards Jesus. Amen.